Hi, this is Steve Thomas, pastor of the First Baptist Church at Delray Beach. Welcome to our podcast. We study God's Word to apply it to our lives in order to make a difference in this life and in eternity. We hope you enjoy this message. We cry out, we cry out. Well, happy Mother's Day. Now, ladies, if you're 18 or over today, you get a rose when you leave. So don't miss your rose. If you go out the double doors, um, we'll have a rose for you just to celebrate Mother's Day. Great to be with you. Welcome. Um, it's just a joy to be able to worship. Last year at this time, we weren't even here. We were in our living room, uh, broadcasting the service from 4798 Orchard Lane. Um, so great to be with you, to be able to celebrate Mother's Day together, to be able to celebrate our Lord Jesus Christ. We're in a series from the book of Nehemiah called The Rebuilder, and this morning we're going to talk about the challenges that you face as someone who wants to rebuild or to build the body of Christ. In Nehemiah, Nehemiah builds the wall. He rebuilds the walls, and as a church, we're to rebuild the church, constantly being able to rebuild the body of Christ, and that's what we're all about here at First Baptist Church of Delray Beach. But you know, in the midst of building, it can be difficult. You can have to actually defend what you're doing. It can be a challenge. There can be those moments where you're like, man, I think I've hit the wall. How many moms, don't raise your hand, just nod at me, have ever hit the wall? And you're like, I just don't think I can make another sandwich. Or I just don't know if I can get up one more time. I just don't know, and moms don't, I don't think you all think this way because you realize there's no other option. Moms are like, we're going to do it, we're going to make it happen, we're going to get through this, we're going to get through whatever wall. But these, these challenging points, I'm calling them kind of a point of pain, it's kind of like a marathon runner, I have a nephew who's run a marathon, I, I can't understand that, that's out of my just, I mean, me for a couple miles, that's, that's good. Uh, but there's a, there's a point in a marathon race, but somewhere between mile 18 and mile 20, where most runners hit what they call the wall. And they get to a point where they go, you know what, I cannot go another step. It's a psychological thing, it's a physical thing, it's a point where, man, I just don't know if I can get through this. For athletes, this is a common thing. They realize they have to learn how to push back the wall. For military people who train for the highest level, they've got to be in this high level of physical condition. They'll often hit a wall that they've got to get through. Even students, good students, who say, you know what, I've got to get through this class, right? I mean, you can probably, if you graduated from anywhere, you probably had a class like that, right? For me, it was differential equations. Almost, almost killed my engineering career before it ever got started. Um, but there's a point where you're like, I just don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can make it. How am I going to push through this? Uh, my sons are here and there's, they're uh, tech salespeople. There's a point in my sales career where I was like, man, I don't know if I can make another call. I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I've been turned down so many times. I don't know if I can actually make it through. And maybe in your professional career, there's a point where you're like, man, I just feel stuck. I don't know if I can go any further. And that happens spiritually as well. Have you ever been to that point spiritually where you're like, I just don't know if I can take another step. I don't know if I can find time in my life to read the Bible at all. 
I don't know if I could find time to pray. I don't know if I can even take that step to take a simple role on Sunday morning to help make people feel welcome or to help in the creative team or help in our children's ministry. I don't know if I can do that. And you may wonder, why is it hard sometimes to follow Jesus? Ever wonder that? Ever find it difficult? You maybe thought, man, I I thought that following Jesus would be easy. I thought I would just be taking a step and having great time and having great friends and everybody's happy and it's just good and it's easy. But following Jesus, Jesus is not all that easy, is it? Have you found it in some difficult places? You may wonder why. Well, you know, following Jesus is not difficult so that we can uncover our own greatness. See, often for athletes and salespeople and students and military people, it's like, hey, I've got I've to try harder. I'm going to find out how great I am. I'm going to push that level of pain back and because no pain, no gain, right? But spiritually speaking, it's a little different. See, following Jesus isn't hard so we can uncover our own greatness. It can be difficult so we can experience and lean into His greatness. And that's the place where we have to really kind of come to grips with some things. See, is it about me being great or is it about me finding the greatness of Jesus Christ? I love the 2 Corinthians 12 passage where the Apostle Paul says, you know, I had this thorn in the flesh and I kept asking, kept asking, God, can you take it away? Can you take it away? And the Holy Spirit said, you know what, my grace is sufficient for you. And Paul said, you know what, I found out that when I am weak, I am strong. So when we think about following Jesus, the difficulties are to cause us to run to him and to lean into his greatness. Nehemiah chapter 4, we see the people of God coming up against some serious difficulty, some serious discouragement. And we see them saying, I've got to figure out how to get through this. And they can hear some things in their ear. And they can also hear some things in their head as they're ridiculed by their enemies. Look with me, Nehemiah chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Nehemiah chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Nehemiah at this point has gathered the children of Israel. He said to them, listen, we need to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem and we need to make this city great. We need to build the gates again. It needs to be a great city. And you may be saying, well, wait a minute, Steve. You know, you've been talking about this wall. And we're talking about building the wall around Jerusalem. What is the big deal about the wall around Jerusalem? Maybe they didn't want a wall. Maybe they didn't need a wall. Well, understand in those days, your wall and the gates around your city were an indication of your greatness and your security. So it would be like saying, listen, we're in New York City, and you see the New York skyline to see the greatness of New York City, right? Manhattan skyline. You see, you see the Statue of Liberty, Uh, You see One World Trade Center. You see all these beautiful things. But not only that, imagine that you're there and you're looking at it from the harbor and you see the greatness of the skyline in New York City. But you also see in the harbor there's aircraft carriers. And there's Air Force planes doing a flyover. And there happens to be a military parade that day. It's like this is the beauty and the greatness of a city, but it's also the strength and security of the city. That's what a wall represented. And this wall around Jerusalem was the city of God. 
It's supposed to be the place that blesses the world and where God meets with the world, where the people of God are a blessing to the world. That's what God intends for the city of Jerusalem, but it's all broken down. It's, it's anybody can come in and get whatever they want at any time. It's insecure and it's an embarrassment. So that's what Nehemiah is rebuilding. And when we think about rebuilding our church, rebuilding the body of Christ, that's what we're rebuilding as well. That's why it's so important that each member has a role. So that the church is not just a place to come and hear preaching and worship and see people. It's a place where God's people are trained to be the church. To be the body. That each person says, I want to have a role in that. So, Nehemiah chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. Now when Sanballat heard that we were building the wall, he was angry and greatly enraged. And he jeered at the Jews. And he said in the presence of his brothers and of the army of Samaria... Well, let me pause there. So picture this. Sanballat hates the Jews. He hates what they're doing. He didn't like it when they came. Don't want anybody to be in favor of the Jews. Sanballat's probably the main political character in the region. And it's like someone's moving in on his territory. Doesn't like it. Possibly his influence could wane. And it's some kind of a military gathering. Maybe it's probably kind of a a staff of military leaders, uh, local political leaders, he starts to make fun and jeer at Israel. Verse 2, he says, What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore it for themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they finish it up in a day? Will they they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish and the burned ones at that? And Tobiah, his chief lackey, the Ammonite, was beside him, and he said, Yes, what are they building? If a fox goes up on it, he will break down the stone wall. It's so pathetic, it can't last even if a fox shows up and pushes against it. Which, sidebar, incidentally, Nehemiah's wall was nine feet thick, just so you know. So this is, this is really kind of a pathetic statement. But it's interesting, isn't it? It's great trash talk, isn't it? Right? It's this sense of, what are these people doing? Look at the themes of this. The first thing he says is, you are feeble. You are weak. There's nothing you can do really of value. This project is too big for your weakness. Have you ever heard that? Back of your head. You're weak. You can't do it. It's impossible. What you're wanting to do can't be done. And not only that, do you think that your sacrifices and your prayer is really going to matter? Do you think that that thing that you do where you speak and you think God hears you is going to matter? Do you think when you give a sacrifice that that's really going to matter? That's really going to be able to stand against these armies and these enemies? Do you think that can really happen? It's not going to matter. Oh, and by the way, you don't even have the resources to do this well. You're using these old stones that are essentially rubbish, that are burned. You don't even have what it takes. Which, actually, some of the stones were in good shape, but that's how you, what you say when you're ridiculing. Oh, and by the way, it won't stand. You may be able to prop something up pathetically, but the first little breath of a fox or the, a little animal that touches it's going to fall down. What you do is not going to matter and it's not going to last 
These are the voices that the children of Israel heard while they were rebuilding this wall. Have you heard some voices like that in your head or maybe even in your ear? Have you heard the world say, you know what? You can't raise a child to follow Jesus in this culture. That's not going to work. You can't do that. You're just one parent or maybe two parents. You can't possibly do it the way the Bible says to do it, the way Jesus taught us to do it. That's not going to work. You're too weak. You're too inconsistent. Your spiritual life is not strong enough. Have you heard those voices? Or maybe you've heard this voice. You know, this, this word of God, the way it says to us, for us to live morally, sexually, cannot be done. We've evolved beyond that. You can't possibly say that marriage and sexuality belongs between committed marriage between one man and one woman. Let me tell you, this Bible is God's word to us. It's as relevant today as it was the day it was written. Our desire, our goal is to conform our lives to Scripture, not to conform Scripture to our lives. Don't ever listen to those jeers, but it does get in your head a little bit, doesn't it? It does get in your head a little bit. It's interesting to see how Nehemiah responds. And let me just characterize this verse 4 and 5 before I read it. Here's Nehemiah's response. Same to you and more of it. (laughs) Let's close our Bibles. Let's pray and go home. I love that, right? It's Nehemiah saying, hey, listen, I hear what you're saying, but same to you and more of it. And let me just tell you, God is going to get you. And I don't need to be vindicated by you. I'm vindicated by my God. Look at this verse 4 and 5. He says, hear, O God. He prays, first of all. He doesn't even care about them. He says, I'm going to pray. That's my first response. Your first response to jeering is going before the Lord. And he says this, hear, O our God, for we are despised. He doesn't go to the world and say, hey, would you guys like us? Would you just, would you just come in and just, just, just accept us? I know we're a little weird. I know we smell a little odd sometimes. And, but, you know, just accept us. Listen, the world is never going to accept you if you're a follower of Jesus. It's not going to happen. We're despised. And Nehemiah prays, turn back their taunt on their own heads. And give them up to be plundered in a land where they are captives. In other words, they're saying, we can't build this wall. May their walls be broken down. He says, do not cover their guilt. And let not their sin be blotted out from your sight. For they have provoked you to anger in the presence of the builders. Here's what he's saying. These people are evil. These people are evil. Nehemiah is praying against the evil that he sees in his enemies. Doesn't try to accept it, doesn't try to appease it, calls it what it is. God, this evil needs to be dealt with. And I'm trusting you to deal with it. And he says an interesting thing. He says, for they have provoked you to anger in the presence of the builders. He says, listen, God, it's not about us. It's about you. It's about your name. The first thing we have to do when when we're being jeered at 
is we have to understand that it's not our job to get our vindication from them, and we need to make sure that our lives are aligned with God's purpose. So what Nehemiah is doing by praying, he's saying, listen, God, we're doing your work. We are your builders. We're doing your will. Should remind us a lot of what Jesus taught us in the model prayer, right? Thy kingdom come. Your will be done. See, that prayer is is a prayer of alignment. God, I want to happen what you want to happen. That's what Nehemiah is saying. Listen, God, we're building your wall. We're totally aligned with your purpose to glorify yourself by exposing the world to you. So we don't need to get our vindication from the world, do we? See, whenever we're ridiculed, we need to ask the question, Is my life aligned with the mission of Jesus? Is my life aligned with the mission of Jesus? Because if it's not, quite honestly, maybe the ridicule is right. A lot of times we try to get Jesus to do what we want to do, but what we need to do is conform ourselves to what he wants to do. Is my life aligned with him? We don't need to seek vindication from our enemies but from God himself. God, would you vindicate me in the face of this onslaught of ridicule? You see, that's why ridicule happens. When we're ridiculed, it's a way for us to say and examine ourselves and say, God, is my life aligned with yours? Am I leaning into your strength or am I leaning on my own strength? Is it about what I can do or is it about what you can do, God? I'm praying to you because I am trusting you with everything that I have. And I know that when I hit that spiritual wall, it's because I've run out of my strength. And I need to lean in to your strength. So what happens? Nehemiah 4.6 very simply says this. So we built the wall. And all the wall was joined together to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. They got through this this ridicule, this thing that stopped them in their tracks, this thing that scared them, that may have caused them to quit working. And they said, you know what? We need to make sure we are being vindicated by God, we're aligned with Him, and we're leaning to His strength. And they built the wall. They built it to half of its height before they had another onslaught we'll talk about next week. But they got to work. Why? Because they had a mind to work. You see, when you find your strength and vindication in Jesus, when he's the one that is powering you, when you come to the place where you can say, I am weak. Let me just pause there. Does that cause you to say, I don't know if I want to follow Jesus? Can you say to him, I am weak. I need your power. Because really, without his power, there's no way you're ever going to accomplish anything for him. It's only what you can do. Finding your strength and vindication in Jesus will change your mind about the mission he has given you. Because the mission to share the love of Jesus with the world, to make Jesus known, requires his strength. You see, he never wants us to function in our feeble and pathetic strength. See, that he knows there's so much more that we can do than what we can do without him. He never wants us to function in our feeble and pathetic strength. He wants to give you His strength to accomplish His purpose. 
And honestly, it's very dangerous to function in our own strength. It's probably the most dangerous thing we can do. Say, I got this, God. I'll call you when I need you. Thanks for the assignment. Thanks for the opportunity. I'll give you a call when I have it completed and I'll, I'll report in and, and give you the results. And look, that's not how it works. He says, no, I want to be with you always, even until the end of the age. I want to be your strength. See, the, what God calls us to do and what ridicule reminds us to do is we need to rise above the ridicule by letting it cause us to align with the purpose of Jesus and find our strength in him. When you hear those voices that says, you know what, you can't do this. There's no way you can change in this way. There's no way you can live without your drug of choice. There's no way that you can make steps forward and serve God in a meaningful way. That is your signal to say, I want to lean into Jesus Christ. I am weak, Lord, but you are strong. Where are you today? Have you hit the wall? Is there something you just don't know if you can overcome spiritually? I want to urge you, align your life with His. Is your life line up with His purpose? And lean into His strength. Recognize your own weakness. This is the place of the greatest strength when you go, God, I don't have it. I don't have it. I need you to live through me. I need your strength to pour into my life in order to accomplish what you want me to accomplish. And keep building. Keep building. Keep showing up at church. Keep reading the scriptures. Keep serving. Find your place of service. On June the 2nd, we're going to have a special leadership rally. That's a Wednesday night. And we're going, the whole purpose of our leadership rally is to help people find their place. Because our goal is that every member of our church has a place of service. That's what we believe it is to be the body. If you think about it, only your appendix is really useless in your body, right? So unless you're an appendix, and I don't want to get you much emails. You know, Pastor Steve, I've been praying and God said, I'm the appendix. I really don't have a purpose. Actually, it probably does have a purpose. We just really don't know what it is. You have a place. You have a purpose. A way to be used by God with His strength to bless people so they can contact Him. Our goal is for you to find a place. Some of you may say, you know, Steve, I've never had that kind of strength in my life. I've been around church, I've been around church people, but I don't think I've, I'm not sure I've ever, I'm not sure I've ever received this gift of salvation you keep talking about. Well, i got good news for you. Today can be your day. I don't care what you've been through or what you think you've been through. Jesus Christ is knocking at your door and He wants to save you. He wants you to receive His forgiveness. It's just a simple repentant prayer. Jesus, I am a sinner. I need for you to save me. I am weak. I can't save myself. Would you save me, Jesus? Could your price count for me? Would you do that today? I'd love to talk to you. I'll be right outside these double doors after the service. I'd love to chat with you. Or you can email me at steve at fbcdelray.com and I'd be happy to arrange coffee with you. That's what it's all about. Becoming a part of the body of Christ.
Because he's asking you. If you're here today, I believe he's asking you and offering you that opportunity to become one of his children. And if you're at that place today where you say, you know what, Steve, I'm a follower of Jesus, but I've gotten to that wall. I want to urge you, say to him today, I am weak. Jesus, would your spirit and your power pour through me? I align my life with you. I find my vindication in you. And I want to lean into your power and I want to keep building the wall. Would you bow with me? Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to our website at fbcdelray.com. Also, click the share button so you can share this message with a friend or someone in need as we seek to know Jesus, to know others, and to make him known. We cry out, we cry out.